The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Of preaching, but it is a very important part of the church life to share together. And so I want to tell you next week, I will be more in my zone, and I'm going to be looking forward to starting into the book of James next week. And you can see our study is called The Evidence of a Genuine Faith Pursuing What Matters to God. And like I said last week, we chose that tree with an image in the lake because we really want, as we study the book of James, we really want to examine what genuine faith in Jesus Christ produces, and then we can hold up the reality of our lived experience of that faith and see if we are measuring up to accessing all the grace of God that is ours so that we can live out the Christian life and have the testimony that we want to have in the world. So I look forward to next week. I hope you'll be able to study with us, maybe join a discussion group, or be doing that in your life group. And so today, I, I want to do two things. I want to first have, I have a two-point sermon this morning. The first one is called COVID-19 and the Kingdom of God, and the second point is called Connecting and Caring in Community. So let's start by looking at COVID-19. I love the fact that our task force chose this verse as their theme verse for this whole thing called COVID-19. They said that, it, that Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 is the, is the guiding light. It's going to be our guiding light for how we behave, how we minister during COVID-19. And it is, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. There's a lot in that verse that I want to unpack because it's the way we live out our faith in this time. And uh, Paul is the one that's talking in the book of Philippians, and he's admonishing the church there that they should have the attitude of Jesus Christ. That's found in verse 5. Let this attitude be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And it's the kind of attitude that doesn't think of yourself first, it's the kind of attitude that puts others' interests ahead of your own. And as we apply that to this season of our time, it means that, that whether you like to wear a mask or not, whether you want to hug someone or not, or whether you're comfortable washing your hands so often or not, that really is not the point. It's not the point of the Christian faith. It's not the point of our testimony. And it's not the point of how we navigate COVID-19 in this pandemic. And so it's interesting that later in this same chapter, chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul contrasts the attitude of Christ Jesus, which is putting other interests ahead of your own, by saying in verse 21, he said, and they all seek after their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul's talking about another group of people, and he's saying, they're not the ones that put others' interests ahead of their own. No, they're the kind of people that they look after their own interests, verse 21. Folks, this is just such an inc incredible contrast. And in the world today, we have such an incredible opportunity to show the attitude of Jesus Christ in the way that we live out this season of our church's life. Now, I'm sorry if it offends anybody that's here today or listening online, but I'm going to say it that it is selfish and it is absolutely childish to use the excuse of your own rights and insist on not following guidelines laid down by a government, 
a business that you're entering, a church or school or whatever authority you want to name under heaven, it is just selfish and childish to not go along with those guidelines based on some idea of freedom of conscience or religion or personal rights. That's just, that's just plain and simple. What I'm telling you this morning is that is not the attitude of Jesus Christ. And that is not the way that we want to live out this season of a pandemic. So wearing a mask or washing your hands or all these things, refraining from hugging, hugging these are common courtesies. These are the, this is the baseline and uh, to not cooperate is, is to simply not show the attitude of Christ. And since we're on the subject, since I'm on my little rant here, I guess, uh, since we're on the subject, let's talk about uh, conspiracy theories. Oh, I love those. Um, let's think about that. <clears throat> I want you to know that it is the position of our church's leadership that we do not believe in any kind of conspiracy theory at any level of government uh, aimed at the church in Canada. I don't believe that. We don't believe that. Back several months at the beginning or near the end, beginning of the pandemic, our church leadership had an opportunity to sign our church's name to a letter of a whole bunch of other churches of the Winnipeg area that were aimed at uh, telling the government that we demand that they allow us to go back to worship services. We did not like the tone of the letter and we did not like the content of the letter. We did not feel that it represented the gospel of Jesus Christ that we are called upon to incarnate in this world. Neither did we think that it represented the attitude of Jesus Christ and his people that he wants us to show to governing authorities or the world that's watching us. And so we did not sign that letter. And, and I'm telling you, the staff and the board were in complete alignment on this. We saw it as a betrayal of what God's called us to be and do. I don't believe there are conspiracy theories in Canada. Uh, I believe there's theories, but I don't believe in any conspiracy by any level of government to shut down the church. And I believe that we have been called upon to pray for our government, to support them all we can, and to misinterpret their COVID restrictions and use our freedom of religion as an excuse to push back is just plain wrong. Okay? So I don't agree with some of the decisions the government's making. That's a whole other thing. I won't be talking about that in this pulpit. But neither do I believe that they are taking aim at the church. So what is the posture of White Ridge Baptist Church during COVID-19? It is to love our neighbor like we love ourselves. It is to demonstrate the love of Jesus. Mark 12, 31 to, to serve our neighbors, our city, our people. We want to have an outward focus, not just thinking about our own needs, as Philippians 2.4 says. We want to somehow say in the actions of our lives, we want to say, we love you, Winnipeg. God loves you, Winnipeg. We love you, government. We, we, we respect your positions of authority over us. We want to be good citizens. We want to not be the cause of spreading any virus. We want to show the love and the attitude of Christ to those who are in this world and maybe don't yet have hope for the next world to come. We want to live like that. We want to say we love you. <clears throat> and the attitude needs to extend to other Christians as well. 
There are churches that are different than us. There are churches that have decided not to go back to services. Some went back to services a long time ago. I uh, listened to a podcast this past week by Andy Stanley being interviewed by Carrie Newhoff. Uh, their church in Atlanta, Georgia, their churches were the first to decide in, the, in July that they were not going to go back to any live physical services until 2021. And I, I respect them for that. Because Atlanta in July is not Manitoba in September when it comes to COVID-19. And yet the rationale for their decision Andy Stanley gave, I completely embrace the rationale. Why did he say it? He said, because we want to love our neighbor like we love ourselves. That's exactly what we're trying to do too. So if we end up putting more people in this building, it'll be because we want to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We want to look out for the interests of other people, not just our own interests. And if we have to put less people in here, we'll do the, it's, it's for the same reason, you see. It's our posture as a church toward COVID-19. <clears throat> the attitude of Christ, then, I've said four things. The attitude of Christ is toward our government. It's toward our community around us. It's toward other churches. And finally, it's got to be toward each other. Got to be with each other. I have talked in the last six months, since we got back from Bolivia, like about three days before everything started going crazy. Uh, I have talked to several of you, and I have talked to some that are on this end of the continuum of safety, and I have talked to some that are on this end of the continuum of safety, and some of you might be labeled as a little bit casual about the whole COVID-19, and some of you might be labeled as a little bit overly cautious or paranoid or whatever. Some, some of you are sitting here. Maybe some of you here are, are more on this side. I don't know, but the point I'm making is we got to respect each other. You have the right to disagree, but God does not give you the right to be disagreeable. So, how are we going to get along? I think we can do it. I think we can respect each other, and we can observe the guidelines laid down by the task force, and we can enjoy incredible ministry year of church. In this building and outside of this building, God wants us to do so. So, I know that those of you who are here in the building this morning, this is not the church that you left six months ago. I get it. And you can know that as soon as we have the opportunity to, we will lift restrictions and we will try to go back to what some of that incredible stuff we enjoyed. But for now, I want to move on to my second point. And, uh, oh, I think I just skipped through my PowerPoint somehow. If, Sammy, could you... Go to the, yeah, thank you. Let's move on to our, my second point, which is going to be talking about connecting and caring in community and a new initiative that we are working on called Neighborhood Groups. And today is just going to be a very slim, thin introduction, and you're going to be hearing about it for weeks to come. But it was back in the beginning of the pandemic when I was part of a, a webinar called uh, by Global Leadership Network, and the, the man that was leading it or speaking at it was actually the chief medical officer of Nova Scotia. He's a Christian man, a born-again believer, uh, not Dr. Robert Strang. And at one point, I wrote down what he said. He said this. He said, we are living in a historic time 
Fundamental shifts are taking place. We need more supportive communities for God's spirit to spread through these times. And his, the words that really grabbed me was the part that he said, more supportive communities for God's spirit to spread. It just stayed with me. Another uh, author by the name of David Smith, he, read, he wrote this. He wrote, the church must forever be asking, what kind of day is today? For no two days are alike in our history. Now, we're not good at asking what kind of day is today in the church. We tend to get in a rut and stay in it as long as we're allowed to. But we have to, in this season, ask what kind of day is it for the kingdom of God on earth? What kind of day is it for the church to do ministry? And what must change in order for us to do it well? Um, Around the same time as this webinar, I was talking about uh, the, the task of the, of the staff of our church was to go into the trenches and start hammering out a ministry plan for the coming school year, which we were starting now. And I must say that as we got together and started to think about the coming year, I, I don't know what the rest of the staff felt like, but I was stuck. The first meeting we had, I was completely stuck. It was a deer in the headlights because we realized that any kinds of plans that we might spend all kinds of energy working on might just be completely off the table by the time we get further into this pandemic. And so as we prayed and as we talked and we thought about it, we realized that, that we, we still have a God who is absolutely in control. And that we realized that, that we could spend a lot of energy and, and think that it's all wasted. Or we could actually look upon this thing and embrace it. Embrace COVID-19 and work within it in a way that is, is actually leveraging what God is allowing us to do instead of uh, whining about what we can't do. And so we began to pray and think on that. We came to uh, a scripture verse that Jesus said in John 5, 17, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. We believe that. We believe that God is still at work during a pandemic, and, and that Jesus Christ is working in the hearts of people, and so we decided we need to embrace this. We came out of that with four convictions from chapter 5, 17, verses 19 to 20 as well, but the four convictions are these. Number one, that God the Father is at work even during a pandemic, and um, we've even come to know people that we didn't know six months ago because they found us online and they've now started even attending some of the programs that are in this building. Brand new people. Uh, we also said another conviction is that we can do nothing on our own accord. The pandemic has served to underline just how incredibly dependent we are on God the Spirit to lead us. Thirdly, we, we concluded that we should only do what we see God clearly leading us to do, and we should press into that. And then finally we said, the Father loves us, and he's going to show us the way. So we, we went ahead with that, those four convictions and the verse that was our guiding light, and then we came up with this, this statement. And the statement that, that is governing our ministry plan for the coming year is this. This word embracing is, 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 is very intentional. We are embracing God's work in us and through us 
wherever we are placed. And so that means that if God places us in the middle of a second wave of this pandemic, we will, we will serve God as best we can in the middle of it. If we, we will embrace ministry, um, if, if somebody loses their job, we will, we will embrace that and we will seek to help come alongside of them. If some people get sick, we will embrace that and we will try to minister to them and their needs. If, God forbid, someone should die, we will come alongside them and minister to them. In other words, whatever comes, we're going to embrace it. We're going to press on to, to do what God has called us to do because God is always at work in us as well as through us. He's never just doing one or the other. And so God wants to work in our discipleship as well as through us to disciple others. So the staff began to work on this ministry plan and we hammered it out through the spring and the board would approve and, and we would go back and forth and this goal was of leveraging the season that we're in and seeing as best we can continue in ministry. Some things that we've planned are the same uh, because they're allowable and some things are not. But one new ministry that I want to tell you about this morning is called Neighborhood Groups. And it, can, it came out of, for me, what Dr. Strang talked about, these supportive communities that God's Spirit needs to spread throughout these times. According to Barna Research, since the coronavirus has forced worship services to go online, nearly one-third of churchgoers have stopped attending church. Now, I know our numbers are doing pretty good online, but... Uh, one-third of churchgoers have stopped attending church. Uh, they might check in for a minute or two, but they're not attending church. In fact, among the millennials, it's up to one-half in some parts of North America. People are getting Zoomed out, folks. You know that. You've got it at school and at work and in, and in other groups, and, and many people don't want to get up on Sunday morning and have to go online for church again. And I understand that. Many people find it hard to sit at their computer in their living room and worship the Lord without the assembly of believers around them and so on, being led live. I get it. I'm so glad that we have a, a team that is making this live streaming possible. It is such an important lifeline in many cases, and I'm grateful for the team that's made it possible. But there are a lot of things you cannot do virtually. There's a lot of things you cannot do virtually. For example, we cannot duplicate the kind of caring and the kind of community that goes on before the service on Sunday mornings and after it. Out there in that big foyer that we designed to be big and bold and bright and beautiful, it, you can't do some of that virtually. You can't, you can't build that kind of relationship virtually. I miss that buzz of people standing around, never being in a hurry to leave. I love that. I miss that. And right now, even as I'm talking to you, this is a one-to-many exchange, isn't it? It's one person talking to many people here in the room and online. And... Um, it's not a one-to-one -one exchange. It's not a small group exchange. It's a one-to-many, not one-to-one, -one, not small group. And it doesn't have the same impact. We can't do that very well virtually, but we can do mass stuff virtually, yes. 
One author said it this way. He said, being personally known and cared for is almost always a one-on-one experience or a small group experience, but it cannot be mass-produced. You get that. You know that it's the smaller relational places in your life where your mental health is encouraged, where your spiritual growth is enhanced, and where you get a sense of belonging to a people that know you and care for you. That can't be mass-produced like one-to-many. So we ask the question, how do we connect? How do we connect with others and care for each other in the church family? And there's lots of ways. In fact, there's a a lot of great, great ways in in the Connecting Points brochure that I hope you make use of. Connecting Points brochure is out today. And, uh, but what if it's not possible? What if uh, COVID-19 restricts us on some of those events and programs? Or what if you just don't sign up and you don't feel like you're part of a, a group, a Bible study, a life group, a ministry? And what if we're missing as a church many people that are not in meaningful connections and relationships? So we look deeper at what we have in common. And as we look deeper at what we had in common, all of us, everybody that comes under the banner of White Ridge Baptist Church, the one thing that we have in common is that we all have an address. We live somewhere, some neighborhood. And so we have something in common, and there are natural built neighborhoods and communities where we live, and we thought we could leverage that. Or we asked the question, at least, several months ago, We asked the question, what would it look like if the entire group of people called White Ridge Baptist Church were divided into neighborhood groups all over the city? Would this model of organizing the church and caring for one another actually build meaningful connections and community? And would it work? Could we pull it off? Those are questions we've been wrestling with for the last several months So we formed a task force several months ago that started to study this and plan this and design this model. Pat Jank is the chair of that task force. Lorraine Barton and Michelle Schmidt are on it with representing the deacons and myself. I'm there. And we've had great support from our technical communications director, Chris Schrader. Kathy Cornelson worked hard to update the database of our church over the summer. And uh, we discovered a fairly clear way of dividing our church family into 32 different neighborhoods. 32 different neighborhoods with a a good number of people in each neighborhood. And uh, these groups would break down the large Sunday group into bite-sized, small, knowledgeable groups. Let me share with you what we think the value of this is. Number one... It would be making relational connections more accessible. People wouldn't get lost in a bigger church. Number two, we would break down Sunday crowd into manageable groups. We could actually know who's who and and who's where and how they're doing. Many needs get, they escape us right now. Number three, we could develop a mindset of mutual service and caring among all people, all members of our church. Number four, we could facilitate a system that integrates new people into the body of Christ called White Ridge Church. If you, if you move into a certain neighborhood, we, we're going to know. We're going we're gonna to love on you. We're going to try to care for you immediately. We're going to try and connect you to the ch- church family, even if you can't come to a Sunday morning service. And number five, we're, we're going to become more deliberate in praying for our neighborhoods. God put us somewhere 
because he wants us to be a witness to our neighbors. We could do that better if we actually are living in the same area and have a heart for that neighborhood. As we read scripture, we landed on certain passages that underlined this possibility, in fact, this call. For example, in Hebrews chapter 10, 25, you know the scripture. Paul, I think, is writing in the book of Hebrews, and he says, Do not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but all, but more, all the more as you say the day approaching. Make sure you encourage one another. You see, there's, there's a real danger. I'm, I'm telling you as a pastor... There's a real danger that people develop a bad habit of stopping to meet together. It exists right now. Many people in our culture that have had church in their lives six months ago can develop a bad habit. It's off the radar. Began to think about some of these verses. We don't want that bad habit to develop. God never stipulated, however, that we had to meet in big crowds in big buildings. He just said, make sure you meet together. Encourage one another daily, if possible. And then we found another scripture in Acts chapter 20, 20, where Paul, in building up the church at Ephesus, Paul the Apostle, he says, for I proclaim to you publicly and from house to house. And we called that the 2020 vision. Because it's 2020 as a year, because it's Acts 2020, and because the best kind of vision is 2020. (laughs) And the the balance that we seek is, yeah, we want to get together in big celebration publicly. But what we really need, too, is from house to house. We need to be together. Have you ever had the experience of being invited to a big dinner, like a wedding banquet. And uh, you know that your host has carefully placed you at a table. Isn't that wonderful? Don't you love it when you go into that room and you go up to the list of names and it says table one, table two, table three, and then, ah, oh, your name's, oh, you got your name on the list. Have you ever been at a, a banquet or a wedding where you walk into the room and it says, oh, by the way, folks, uh, it's, it's seat yourselves. Ah! Anxiety begins to fill me. Who am I going to sit with? What am I going to do? I can tell you've had that experience. You see, everybody needs to have a, a place, a place at the table. And in a similar way, finding your place in a church family can be just as intimidating. Finding meaningful relationships in a church can be very intimidating. Neighborhood groups could solve some of that problem. It could be providing a place of belonging in smaller gatherings for everybody that ever comes under the banner of White Ridge Baptist Church. And you see, I believe that our encounter with God should never be just an isolated affair. It should be always an encounter as well with his people. But how do you do that with 500 people? No, you can do it. You can do it. So how would, how would this work? How do neighborhood groups work? And I'm just going to share a few more ideas with you and then conclude. And um, I, wanna, I want you to know that home addresses are, are uh, given to us when you come to our church. If you sign up uh, a card, if you have a profile on our, our database called Breeze, the leader or leaders of a neighborhood group would 
have those contacts in their neighborhood. And uh, they would help plan the, 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 the activities. They would be identifying the needs. Somebody has a baby in that neighborhood group and they're, they're loving on that family or someone's in need, they lost their job, they're loving on that family. Anyone new to our church is automatically assigned to a neighborhood group because of their address. And uh, you're going to be hearing much more about details concerning this. I'm sure today you're going to leave with more questions than you have answers for. But we're going to try and address those in the coming weeks. No one is going to be obligated to participate in any event. But you have no choice. You will be part of a neighborhood group. Okay? Uh, someone's going to have your name on a list. You might get the odd phone call. You don't have to do anything with them if you don't want to. But you're in a neighborhood group. All of you are already in a neighborhood group. Guess what? You just signed up for a group this September. No, I'm, you didn't sign up. But, but, um, and, and the deacons also, they're going to continue to care for the special needs of our church. There are many needs that the deacons and the pastors of our church are going to continue to hone in on. It's not going to be left up just to the neighborhood groups. And, and then thirdly, I want to say that these are not replacing life groups. You will not have such intimacy in your neighborhood group likely that you can get in a life group. So what you need to know today is this. This coming week, between September 13 and 20, some of you will be getting a call from one of the task force members, myself or one of the other three. And the reason you're going to be getting a call from us on the phone is because we have been praying for you over the summer. And we have identified you as one of the neighborhood group leaders in your neighborhood group. I say one of because we want to have more than one. And you're going to get a call this week, and we're going to send you an overview describing more of what neighborhood groups are all about. And we're going to be asking you just one thing. Will you bring this to God in prayer and ask if he might be asking you in the coming year to be a neighborhood group leader for your neighborhood? That's all. We're just going to ask you to read about it. We'll answer questions you might have. We're going to ask you to take a week to, to, to pray about it. One week later, between next Sunday and the 27th, we're going to call you back. And we're going to say, did you get a chance to think about it, read about it? Do you have questions? Have you prayed about it? And then we're going to invite you to join us on October 4th in this room. We're going to have 32 tables. And we're going to have each neighborhood group represented with three or four leaders of that neighborhood group. And we're going to do some training and orientation. And then a few weeks later, we're going to have an assigned time in October when we're going to launch neighborhood groups formally. And we're going to tell you that this week, you'll probably get an email or a phone call from your neighborhood group leaders, and they're going to be telling you what, what's next in, in this whole plan. And so the task force is going to stay intact. We're going to be troubleshooting. We're going to be coaching. We're going to be available and then in January, we hope to gather the, the leaders together and, and, and regroup and say, what can we fix? How can we improve this? So I'm giving you a really big picture of what this might look like, and I'm praying that God will lead us into this fall. I encourage you to pray for the formation of these groups, the leaders. So pray that, you, that God would lead us to make it a key part of our own discipleship, a key part of organizing our church family and a key part of reaching into our neighborhoods for Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, this past week, I can't tell you where I was, uh, but, but I, I want to tell you, I, was, I, I met a woman 
and it was a random kind of encounter, nothing weird, don't worry. Um, and <laughs> and, uh, and uh, she just started sharing with me, just started sharing with me that their dog, their family pet of 13 years died this past Wednesday. She just started going into detail, and, and, and I was, you know, trying to console her and listen to her story. And, and she said that um, it happened, it, they got the news in, in late in the evening. And uh, she has a, a good friend on her street, and she, she called that house, and her husband answered, this woman's husband answered. And, and uh, he said, well, she's sleeping. She's got to get up for work tomorrow. So, and and he, she said, could you get her up? Okay. So she got her up, and, and, and the woman said, I'm coming over. So she came over in her house coat, and, and before a few minutes had passed away, eight adults, eight adults on their street were sitting in this woman's living room, just talking it up, just hanging out, crying a bit. And I thought to myself, wow, if, if that can go on, if that dynamic is at work in the world and providing such care and connection to someone who, who does not profess faith in Jesus, how much more should the church of Jesus Christ be unleashing the dynamic of neighborhood connections and building connectivity and caring within the grassroots of our church family. That is a vision that I have that could be unleashed within our body of believers to really send church back to the neighborhoods and allow something to happen at a, at a deeper level that does not necessarily require this big building as beautiful and as wonderful it is, it is uh, for that kind of ministry. Would you stand with me? Uh, I'm sorry I kept you a little longer today, but would you stand with me if you're in this room and, and um, let me pray with you as we conclude the service this morning. Father, I thank you for the chance to just uh, talk about this coming year. Lord, we everything from what Steve shared in the video about the program for the programs for um, ministering to men and women and, and, and sexual purity and, and, and all the staff that shared and the different things from children and youth on up to adults and seniors. And, and Father, the, the bigger picture of what we as a body of believers can be all about this, this fall in, in neighborhood groups. Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, please pour out your grace upon us as a church family. And Lord, we pray for other churches in Winnipeg too. We pray for our sister churches that they might also experience the creativity and the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon ministries that will, will reach into homes and will touch more neighborhoods and, and tell the city of Winnipeg that Jesus Christ is alive, that he loves them, that he wants a relationship with them. Oh Lord, would you, would you use us to be a greater light, a greater light and salt in the midst of this society. And we pray, oh Father, that every good endeavor that we would, would seek to 
to step out into? Would you energize it by your Holy Spirit? Would you cause buy-in? Would you bless the calls that take place this week with neighborhood group leaders? And Father, would you pour out your anointing on our ministries so that you and your power might anoint everything we, we seek to do. We pray all this for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one who died on the cross for our sins, was raised to new life, is now at the right hand of the Father, and is interceding for us as a church. We pray it for his glory and for our good. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us this morning.